It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Boston Lose Baseball, episode 72. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review so that you're notified. Whenever we post a new episode, we come out with two a week. And it would be really, really nice if you left a comment and gave us a five-star review as well. So we try to grow this sucker. I'm Grant Paulson, joined as always by Toby Altizer. Toby, it's been a crazy last 48 or so hours for the Nationals. You thought after the trade deadline was pretty quiet post Jamer Candelario, maybe we were just going to kind of drift through the week. It didn't work out that way, huh? No, and I, you see plenty of people frustrated with the moves that the Nationals did not make at the trade deadline, looking at Finnegan and looking at Lane Thomas. You see people questioning what's going on with Luis Garcia. So a lot of stuff going on with the Nationals, but if we're just looking on the field, good series for the Nats to get two or three from the Brew Crew to find a way to get some wins there. It's uh. Again, it's about developing the young guys. That's what the last couple months of the season. But anytime you can win some ball games, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I guess we could start with just the, the big picture thought on uh, another series win at home and another walk-off win. Uh, like the win they had over, maybe it was the Rockies, if memory serves. But to, to end the last homestand when they came back with four runs in the ninth and C.J. Abrams had the walk-off hit. The winner on Wednesday at Nats Park while awesome was more about the other team screwing up than the Nationals doing a lot right. There were multiple errors in the inning for the Brewers. You, you have a third baseman charging and throwing a ball wide of the catcher off his glove that scored not just the tying but the winning run. But you put yourself in a position to steal the game, right? I mean, they pitched really, really well. The bullpen was splendid, notably uh, another good outing from Jordan Weems. And uh, Jose Ferrer was very solid. Finnegan has been outstanding lately. So all three of those guys combined for three innings, one over the minimum without a walk. I think they gave up just one hit. And for the second time all season, Mackenzie Gore pitched six innings and allowed five or fewer base runners. He was dynamite, uh, really efficient, wasn't striking many guys out, wasn't missing many bats. He had nine swings and misses all game. He had two strikeouts after five innings. He ended up punching out the side in the sixth, which was, I thought, one of the best sequences of his entire season. 
to empty the tank, mid-80s pitches. He's got runners on second and third after a pretty unlucky three-batter run to start the inning where a run was in, and then there were two in scoring position after what was a uh, like an infield hit and a jam shot double. And so now the run's in, you're frustrated, you got two on in scoring position, and nobody out. And he went to work and got three straight strikeouts to have a quality start, six innings, and again, five batters face total. Uh, really, really good outing for Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, for Gore, really impressed with what he was able to do. Like you said, he got into some trouble in that sixth inning, and then he's able to to get out of it. And I really like the way that Davey went about it. Maybe if you're looking at a time earlier in the season, you'd like to see him try to go out there for the seventh because he could have probably gone out there, and if he was efficient, maybe got through the seventh. But you're limiting his innings. He's already gone past his career high in innings pitched. So just leave him alone in terms of that. And basically go out there and tell him, hey, man, finish out the sixth inning, empty the tank here, figure out a way to get out of this, and that's it for you. And that's exactly what he did. Like you said, some tough luck. But, you know, the thing that we've talked about a lot with Mackenzie Gore is can he manage his emotions on the mounds? And I don't know if you saw the video, grants of the game where – Earlier in the game, he gave up the home run to Tyrone Taylor, and it was on a 2-1 count. He threw a fastball up in the zone, a little bit out of the zone. Tyrone Taylor gets on top of it, sends it out to left. But the two balls in that count were pitches that were at the knees and probably should have been called strikes. Angel Hernandez in his first game back calling balls and strikes in the major leagues didn't give the call to Mackenzie Gore. But he came back and pitched well after that. And even in the sixth inning, gets into trouble and buckles down and finds a way to get out of it. And those are the sort of things that make you think, this guy has ace potential. Those are the sort of things. The frustrating parts are when he's walking guys and maybe he gets a little bit too emotional and can't control it. But when you can get into jams like that, like he has done a couple of times this season and then get out of it, that's really encouraging, and that makes you think, all right, down the road, if he can channel some of these things and continue to mature and become a little more efficient with his pitches, this is a guy that you could see as a number one or number two starter on a good ball club. It was just great to see Angel Hernandez come back in midseason form, <laughs> just calling middle-middle strikes balls and really being bad at his job. I missed him, and, and baseball is better with him screwing up calls. I kid because I'm care. Uh, all right, uh, that's enough on on the kind of the team's results because if we're being very honest, those aren't as important as some of the storylines with some of the the long term building block type players. So uh, Corey Dickerson getting uh, released essentially and and being out of the organization. Uh, with all due respect to him, he was not having a particularly good year. He he was a one off signing for a, a one year plan. That's fine, whatever. Luis Garcia being demoted again. This has happened now every year, pretty much, that he's been in the big leagues. And it feels like you know, he's been around forever. It's because he has, right? He's 23 now. So he was in the majors at 19 years old, I think it was, in 2020. Then we saw him in, in 2021 when he was, uh, maybe it was 20 years old, 21 years old, 22 years old, and 23 years old as he's in his fourth season. So we've been seeing this kid forever, and he feels much older than he is. So I'm not going to write the book on him just yet, but... Here's the fact on Luis Garcia. The results have been really, really bad here recently, and it's trending in the wrong direction. I'm not just talking about the last several games where he was five for his last 24, hitting 208. That's a small sample. Or the last 15 games where he was 11 for 51, hitting 216. You know, if you look at the, the numbers in July, he was hitting barely over 215. 
you look at his last 30 games, which goes back, you know, through July and into the end of June uh, because of the all-star break, it's a 220 average, which isn't maybe demotable, but the OPS is sub 550. I mean, the league average for OPS is around 720 when you're talking on base and slugging. And while he makes a lot of contact and he doesn't strike out a ton, which is good, he does not really walk. So if you're not hitting, you're not getting on base. And the power has essentially disappeared. You know, whereas we talk about C.J. Abrams and Kbert Ruiz finding more power this season and the slug being up substantially. You know, Luis Garcia slugged well over 400 each of the last two years. And he's slugging 360 right now. His OPS is lower right now as they demote him than it has been at any point in his career. It was about 670 as a rookie, 686 in his sophomore stint, over 700 last year, and it's 655 right now. So he's not driving the ball and getting A swings off. It doesn't seem like he's progressing like they need him to offensively. And while he is making a lot of contact, he has given up some of the power to do it, which is the opposite of probably what they have been instructing and wanting him to do. So for all of those reasons, that's why they're demoting him. We could talk about if they should or you know whether or not this is a guy that you should be playing every day while you're a bad team playing out the string in the final couple of months. But it's not crazy that he got demoted in the sense that, I mean, this is trended in the wrong direction, and it seems like he's lost his confidence at the plate. Yeah, I mean, I think this is more so just to try to get some of that confidence back. And the player they call up is Jeter Downs. And part of me wonders if it's this grant. They look at it and say, Luis Garcia probably just needs a little stint where he can get things going again. He always does well in the minors. Get some of that confidence back. And, you know, you maybe look at some of the other guys that you would think that maybe could have got called up. I think specifically of a guy like Darren Baker. Maybe they could have considered that. There are, you know, some other extenuating circumstances with Baker, some injuries and various things. But with Jeter Downs, maybe they're going to just take a look at him for a couple of weeks, try to get him some more regular at-bats up at the major league level just to evaluate things, knowing that at some point Garcia is going to come back up and take that spot. And if Downs does well, then he can hang out around the big league ball club for a little while. Or if things really struggle and things kind of go like they have really all season for Jeter Downs, that's a guy I could see the Nationals saying, hey, we took a shot, didn't work out, adios. So, you know, we'll see with Luis Garcia. I know some people are really frustrated about it, and I think it's understandable that you could be frustrated that, you know, we just talked about this leading in here, that this last couple of months of the season are going to be about the young guys. It's about developing them. It's about giving them at-bats. You know, that's why Corey Dickerson, gets released is to give Stone Garrett more at-bats. You bring up Rutherford to give him at-bats. So that's what the whole last couple months of the season are going to be. And then in the same sort of breath, you send down Luis Garcia. So it doesn't necessarily seem like it matches up, but he's been playing pretty regularly all season long. He's been struggling as you just chronicled there. So maybe they're just looking at it. Let's give him another chance in the minors to get some of that confidence back bring him up for the last month of the season, maybe you know a couple weeks added on there as well, just to give him some confidence. But send him down, see what you got in Cheater Downs. But ultimately, Garcia is going to come back up at some point and still play a lot of second base for this ball club the rest of the year, I'd imagine. Yeah, assuming they call him back up fairly quickly, and by that, realistically, I mean you know within the month, let's say, before the start of September, I don't have any problem with this, to be honest. Because I've also heard some things, uh, I, want, I want to be somewhat careful with this, but some rumblings that, 
you know, maybe there's at times a lack of focus and, you know, some things where like they have a lot of the same conversations and the adjustments that they're asking. And I don't, I, this is a hard game. I don't mean like the results aren't there, but Hey, you got to try to do it this way. And maybe for a day that happens and then it's not that way again, a couple days later. And there's only so much of that that you're going to go through before I think you start to get a little frustrated. And maybe this is a message that they're sending, right? In the past, I don't think anyone's ever been upset when he's coming up and down. He's going back and forth. This is the first time where you're going, really? He's 23. He's been your everyday second baseman all year. You're a bad big league team. Why would you send this guy down? I really do believe it's a little bit of a trying to shake him and wake him up a little bit and say, hey, man, nothing's given to you here. Like We got dudes in the minor leagues coming. And we can find a way to move one of them to second base if we need to. Now, I will say defensively, I think he's made major strides. I think you may have mentioned that. But I love the um, progress he's made de <coughs> defensively. There was a time over the last couple of years where I just didn't trust him when the ball was hit to him. And that is not the case this year. I think mostly he's been outstanding. Um, there, there, <coughs> there has been, excuse me, since he came up questionable kind of hot baseball IQ decisions at times. And you, he was young. And I've always kind of said that, Oh, <clears throat> he's young. You know, I'll, I'll deal with it, whatever. But I remember thinking this with Victor Robles after, you know, he had played for so long. It, it reminded me of the scene in wedding crashers where uh, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn are sitting on the steps at the Capitol. Uh, and, and they're talking about, Oh, well, you know, we're young. And he goes, we're not that young anymore. Like at some point, I think he's been. I think I saw he had 11, 1100 plate appearances now in the big leagues. So yeah, he's twenty three, but at some point you got to start putting it together. So my hope is he goes down, gets the message, has some success. You you made a good point. He has pretty much always thrived and hit pretty well in the minor leagues. Maybe he starts to string some games together at Rochester, and then they call him up, and he never goes to the minors again. That's the hope, right? Yeah, and I think to your point, Grant, with the not sticking with maybe an approach or something they want, I think the easiest thing you can go back to is er, at, at the end of May, you had the six-hit game against the Kansas City Royals. Go six for six. Very impressive, right? Oh, I forgot about that. Shooting the ball the other way, looking great. And then he went hitless the rest of the series in 10 plate appearances. And it, it seemed like he completely abandoned what he had done in, in those six plate appearances the game before where he got a hit in every single one. And I think that's kind of what you've seen at times with Luis Garcia. Maybe they're working saying, hey, man, go the other way with some things. You're you're at your best when you're going you know, up the middle the other way. And maybe he does it for a game, and he goes two for five. And then the next day, he's 0 for five with two strikeouts because he's trying to pull the ball again. I think it is about sending a message to an extent because there have been times when Luis Garcia has been a very good ball player this year, and it just hasn't been the case the last couple of months. But, you know, if you send a message and say, hey, man, look, like you said, you're not going to be guaranteed to be the starting second baseman for this ball club. So don't get that in your head. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to grind. When we try to instruct you on things, we're trying to help you out. And so we'll see. I think, you know, he can still be the everyday second baseman for this team. I think you've seen that at times this year. You mentioned the defense. It's improved a whole lot. So you have confidence that he can at least play defensively a lot better than what he's looked like in the past. So I have confidence he can do it. I think this is more so to just send a message and get some of that confidence back and make sure he understands, like you said, like, look, man, you're not guaranteed to be the second baseman of the future. So listen to us and make sure you're grinding every day or it can be taken away very quickly. 
Yeah, I mean, it could be. Look, you're not asking for him to be an, an uh, elite bat as well as he might be able to handle second base, right? If he hits 260 plus with a 750 OPS and he hits you 15 home runs, like that could be a really serviceable option at second base in an infield where you might have Brady House at third and and uh, C.J. Abrams at short. I think the first base spot is kind of to be determined. But, you know, ultimately, if Dylan Cruz and James Wood are in that outfield and Luis Garcia is still at second, like I, I wouldn't be overly surprised. But uh, the arrow is trending down on the stock report, clearly, as he was sent down after a walk-off win. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, we mentioned that Dickerson's out of the organization. That frees up a spot. You referenced this. For Blake Rutherford, who I wanted to hit on. Uh, Rutherford, we've talked about on the pod several times this season. He is 26. He is a former first-round pick by the White Sox. Uh, Blake Rutherford, well, he was in the White Sox organization, I should say. I believe originally maybe with the Yankees, uh, if memory serves. But um, he, his professional, his minor league time, goes back to 2016. And uh, he was a top-20 pick. And I remember this guy being a top-50 prospect way back in the day. Uh, Fizzled out, didn't go well. He hit early on a, a bunch in the minors. Then he got hurt, and it just the production dropped off. But the Nationals signed him this offseason, and they sent him to Double A Harrisburg to start his time with the organization. And he killed the ball. He played in 32 games in Double A, hit over 340 with a 1,000 OPS. So they were blown away, and I think impressed. And so they sent him to Triple A and said, "All right, let's see what happens." Well, now he's played 30 games at Rochester, and he's hit 350 with a 950 OPS. And on the season, he's got 11 home runs, and he can run a little bit. He's seven for eight stolen bases. But a 980 ops and a 345 batting average at the two highest levels in the minors. So I think he's played well enough, Toby, that they're basically in a mode now where they're thinking, what the heck? Let's see what this guy does. I mean, they just struck gold on Lane Thomas, who is a late bloomer, who they called up to the show and probably didn't have the highest expectations for. And then he played like an all-star for a couple of months at an age that is comparable when he finally broke into the show and was an organizational player of the year for the Nationals last year to what Rutherford is right now. So I've been really pining for this the last few weeks. I've been texting a lot of people in the organization and trying to figure out what the plan was and when he was coming up and why he hadn't. Uh, but I'm excited about this. I don't have delusions of grandeur. I don't think this guy is going to be a future all-star or – Frankly, I'm not even sure that he'll be a starter for the Nats in the outfield you know, next year or the year after. They got a lot coming in, in the, the outfield. But I do think in terms of the next couple of months of this grind at the end of the season, I will put this as in the pile of things that I'm most excited to watch. Yeah, and I think that they're going to plug him right into that Corey Dickerson role where he was platooning with Stone Garrett. I think this is a twofold thing. They don't want Stone Garrett to be going out there against right-handed pitchers because I think they understand what he is. Listen to the platoon splits for Garrett this year. Against righties, 238, 323, 321, 644 OPS. Against lefties, 
265 batting average, 336 on base, 510 slug, 846 OPS. So clearly a very good player against left-handed pitching. And so you bring in a guy that's a left-handed bat that, you know, similar to what Dickerson was doing. And this is what Rutherford's done against right-handed pitching in the minors this year. 351 batting average, 391 on base, 618 slug for an over 1,000 OPS. So I think what you're going to see is left field is going to be similar to what you were seeing with Dickerson and Garrett, and they're just going to platoon righty and lefty depending upon who's on the mounds. And I think this works in both players' favors. Rutherford's going to face righties almost exclusively, and even if he starts against the righty and they bring in a lefty late in the game, they'll just pinch hit Stone Garrett. And I think it's good for Stone Garrett as well. I think both of these guys are going to realize, you know, this is kind of their role, especially Stone Garrett. You brought this guy over. He's played in the majors the entire year, really. And, you know, we were pining for more playing time early in the season, and now he's getting it. And I think they're seeing what he is, and they're just going to kind of platoon him against left-handed pitching. And you work that with Rutherford now for the rest of the year against right-handed pitching, and I think it works out perfectly for both guys. Yeah, what I like about this, I think, the most is it's been a long time, Toby, since the Nats in the minor leagues have started to have some guys that they just kind of brought in and out of nowhere, they became interesting. Um, now, I'm not telling you these are players that are long-term answers, but I'm thinking like Joey Manessis last year. They signed him as a minor league free agent. He had big numbers at AAA in a couple of organizations over several years, including last year. Then they promote him to the show after trading Juan Soto, I think on the day of the deadline maybe. And, and he, of course, carried him for the final couple of months. Um, now you've got Rutherford, who th these might be, you know, 4A types. I mean, Manessis, I think, has proven this year that he's a major league offensive player. He just doesn't have a position, and and he's a DH. But maybe Rutherford similarly proves, I'm a major league baseball player. Now, am I a first division starter? Am I going to play 148 games for a 99-win a team? Probably not. But it has been a while since they have not developed, because these guys are, you know, in Manessis' case, he was about 30. Rutherford's case, he's 26, but just gotten to a point where they've had players like this in their system they could call up. You know, for a long time, that was just not the case. They lacked that type of depth organizationally. So that part intrigues me. Uh, but I would also say just this player and this skill set is interesting in the way he hit. I mean, he just raked. Good breakdown on the right versus left. Um, those details are interesting. But to your point, they're going to put him in a position where he can try to thrive now and help in a platoon situation, which I think is really cool.